Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello and welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We're live here in Seattle. Kind of foggy. I was actually very grateful and surprised that the traffic went as well as it did. They finally figured it out. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. It, it takes a couple of days for people to figure it out. And they're like, oh, okay, I got to slow down. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. Okay, I get it. Oh, there's no monster in the fog. No. Yeah. That's funny. There's not going to be a car just completely stopped, you know, in the roadway. That's, that's kind of scary, you know. It's just like, what's going on? So I did that with my boys actually a couple of days ago, the whole monster in the fog thing. Really? It's like you were there. How did you know that? And they're like looking out, in, out of the window from, you know, the couch. They like to sit up on the couch like they're perched. Oh, how cute. Because the street lives right there, so they kind of like watch the cars go by, cute. and they're like, there's monsters. I'm like, there's no <laughs> monsters in the fog. They're just cars. It's scary. A little, it's so cute. How did you know that? I'm psychic. What can I say? Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, no. I, at any rate, um, we're hoping that everyone's traveling very safely this morning, wherever you are, wherever you live in the world, even if it's nighttime where you are, and maybe it's not even winter where you live. Um, I guess we have a lot of snow on our mountains now, and the Mountaineers, which I get to cross-country ski with this year, we finally get to go up and actually have a class. We've had the last two canceled, one from not enough snow, and then the second one, too much snow, you can't get up to the mountains. Hey, it's early. It's early. It's early. It's early. You want to go, like, crazy, then just travel east, way east. Yeah. Like Chicago, those those areas. (laughs) Right, get on the airplane. Exactly. Go hang out in a different mountain. You know, one of the things I get to do here, Benny, is interview really interesting people Mm -hmm. who I believe stand on the leading edge of thought. Um, I like that for our listeners. They get to listen to me often. So to have interesting people come on the show is one of my greatest joys. And today I'm interviewing Jim Tucker, MD. He is um, a psychiatrist and neurobehavioral scientist at the University of Virginia. I happened to be in Virginia not too long ago. Alyssa and I were there um, and we... I gave a few talks, and I actually met Mr. Tucker's um, wife. We ha- I had dinner with her, which was quite lovely. And she talked to me about her husband. Actually, a client of mine had also talked about you, Jim, um, and your book. Uh, so you're a board-certified child psychologist, um, served as a medical director at the UVA Child and Family Psychiatry Clinic for nine years. You also continue the work of Ian Stevenson at the University of Virginia, Division of Perception Studies with Children Who Report Memories of Previous Lives. How exciting is that? Your um, overall research um, was um, in, the, in the book Life Before Life, a scientific investigation of children's memories of previous lives. It was published in 2005. And now you have this new lovely book, Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. Welcome to the show, Jim. Well, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, it's lovely to have you. So have you always had an interest in reincarnation? Uh, no, actually. Um, I was raised Southern Baptist, and <clears throat> we certainly didn't talk about reincarnation in church. And then as a, as an adult, I was sort of non-practicing anything. Um, still had certainly respect for spirituality and, and religion, but, but nothing beyond that. And then you mentioned my wife. When, when she and I got together, she was open to, to reincarnation and other things like psychic abilities and so forth, which I had never really seriously considered. 
And that got me curious. And I, I was reading actually one of Ian Stevenson's books uh, when we saw in the local newspaper that his research division had gotten a grant to do a new study on near-death experiences. And uh, I was in private practice, just a typical routine child psychiatry private practice, um, not feeling completely fulfilled. So I decided to call up the office to see if they needed help with that study just on a volunteer basis. Uh, but that got my foot in the door, and, and sort of one thing led to another. I eventually uh, moved over to these cases of, of young children talking about past lives, and, and that's where I am now. So I, I, I took my first trip in 98 uh, to Asia to study some cases there, and so I've been going at it for 15 years now. Wow. So in your research, people write in to you and Mr. Stevenson, I believe, because you're following him around now, or he's done, because I believe he was, he's in his 80s, correct? Yeah, or? he's deceased now, actually. Oh, he is? Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, he uh, retired in 2002 and then passed away in 2007. Wow. Um, after having essentially two careers, a mainstream career, and then the last 40 years, really, were devoted to, to these cases. Um, and is, he has very young children who talk about past lives, just spontaneously they start coming out with it. So so people, families, usually mothers probably, or parents, write in to your research and say, oh my gosh, this is happening, and then when you're ready um, to travel, you take trips to interview families and the children to um, get a clear information about what they're describing in terms of a past life. Yes, exactly. So Ian focused mostly on cases in Asia because it, hmm. cultures with a belief in reincarnation, it's much easier to find cases there. And, and they may be more common. We're, we're, we're not really sure. Wow. But, um, but once I got involved, I took a few trips to Asia, but then I decided to focus on American cases and because they don't have the cultural potential cultural influences that the Asians do. And also I think they have the opportunity to kind of get people's attention more. Um, so, yeah, so these days, of course, people contact us by email. And, and often we'll just have a correspondence by email. But if, if there's mm. enough in the case where it really looks like the child's giving what may be verifiable details, then, yeah, I'll, I'll take a trip and, and meet with the family and then kind of take it from there. So exciting. What a fabulous job. I mean, really, what a wonderful... And I do think that Ian is following you around, by the way. You know, uh, he, he may not be in a body anymore, but I do think he's following you around because he was so fascinated in the research. It was something that he was almost addicted to, I think, maybe a little obsessed. Well, you're certainly right about that. Um, <laughs> I mean, and I mean, he, as he said on a scale of 1 to 10 for obsessiveness, he was an 11. And yeah, and he was completely committed to his work. He, he never even took a vacation until his he and his second wife got together and, and she wanted to travel some. But yes, I mean, his, his work was his life. And um, I guess it's kind of comforting to think that he might still be keeping yeah. an eye on things. And I just love uh, how serendipity you two came together and this really important research that's valuable for the consciousness of human beings. We continue to grow and have you know, unique levels of awareness that you came along and are continuing his work. I know he's really grateful, and I just, I just think it's fabulous. I, I truly do. So I have a couple questions for you. Have you sure. Great. Have you estimated a time period in between lives? Like, is there kind of like a general time period that people wait or souls wait before they incarnate? Have you noticed well, that? Well, it varies, and and I should say that 
our cases where the children have intact memories may not be representative of the rest of us. Mm. But with our cases, the median interval, meaning half of the cases, the interval shorter, half they're longer, is only 16 months. Wow. So we're, we're generally talking about very recent lives, although we have exceptions. I mean, we have ones that are 50 years. But it, it looks like to come back with intact memories, uh, you, you're usually coming back pretty quickly. So that's um, what you're basing on the children who remember so inc- incredibly well with detail. And those children who remember bits and pieces, perhaps, or make comments. I've had a lot of comments who tell me that when their children were little, they'll make a comment about, you know, Mom, I I really wanted you to be my mom. I, I knew you in heaven. And, you know, and they'll yeah. make some lovely conversation like that when they've never even had the conversation of reincarnation before with their child. You know, they're too young to have that type of conversation. Yeah, well, that's right. So uh, when I quoted that interval, that means the child gave enough details where the previous person has been identified. Oh, that's true. So so you're right. There may be others where the kids will make a few comments, have a few slight memories, um, and and maybe those do come from from longer ago. Ah, Interesting. Very interesting. You know, I've always thought when when I began to believe that reincarnation was real, which was when I began to do energy work and I began to see people's past lives, I thought it would be really cool to have a kid who has those memories. After reading your book, I'm like, okay, that's kind of creepy. And and I don't mean that in a mean way. It's just, I think that's like another stressful thing to add into your parenting process to have this child that has such incredible vivid memories. Well, it can, yes, it it can be quite disturbing both to the children and the parents because (laughs) the child may be some some of them crying on a daily basis, missing people from the past life. Wow! Uh, so yes, yeah, it's, it's not all fun and games by any means. Exactly. Um, and and uh, 70% of the children um, will, the previous person died by unnatural means, meaning murder, suicide, or accident. So they're often recalling a very traumatic death. Uh, they may be talking about being raped and murdered or dying in a crash or whatever it is, but, but yes, it can be hard for a parent to even witness their child having to remember such traumatic things and think about their child going through it. Um, But even having said all that, usually by the time the children are six or seven, they've stopped talking about it and just sort of going on with their lives. So it it can be a very difficult few years, uh, but then things settle down. So do you think they begin to forget the experience as they become more socialized in, you know, mainstream earth life? Most of them forget. Now, there are some that, even as adults, say that they still have at least some memories. But yes, most of them forget. And it's around the time that kids, all kids, lose their memories of early childhood anyway. So mm-hmm. so that sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, well, there are a lot of changes going on in the brain around the ages of five, six, seven. And, and um, the memories usually fade then, and the kids do get much more wrapped up in, in their current life. Wow, amazing, absolutely amazing. So one of my favorite stories is about Ryan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really love that story. Although I was a little, you know, as a parent, I think I would have been creeped out. Just, uh, <laughs> I, I do. It's it's a lot yeah. of responsibility to have a child recall so much information. Well, that's right. And that was one where it was extremely challenging for the, the mom in particular, because Ryan was crying every night about his, his life in Hollywood that he talked about. And, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan's a, uh, this is a family in Oklahoma, uh, just sort of an ordinary family, and uh, Ryan started talking about this life in Hollywood, 
and then one day pointed to a man in a picture from an old movie and said that that's who he had been in his past life. Well, the guy he pointed to was an extra who had no lines in the movie. So the, the mom wrote me to see if I could help identifying him. And eventually, with the help of a Hollywood archivist, we were able to identify this fella. Meanwhile, Ryan is making all kinds of statements about this past life. Um, he, he talked about dancing in New York and then going to Hollywood and being in movies and then um, uh, working for an agency and uh going to Paris and, and sailing on big boats and um, having a, a big house with a swimming pool, which I confess I thought was all quite unlikely for an extra with no lines in a movie. <laughs> but once we identified the guy, a fellow named Marty Martin, and in fact his life had included all of that. He, he had danced on Broadway and then gone to Hollywood. He was in movies, and then he set up a talent agency that was quite successful, and he went to Europe on the Queen Mary and, and uh, had, had quite a grand lifestyle. And, and uh, he did have a big house with a swimming pool. And Ryan had said that the address had either Rock or Mount in the street address, and, and uh, Marty Martin's house was on Roxbury. Wow. So it, it was certainly one that had sort of all of the features. I mean, it had uh, very strong memories and verified memories, but then also had a large emotional component with it, too. Yeah, because uh, you write in the book how he missed being big, you know, that being little was boring and he didn't get to travel or, you know, he recognized Marilyn Monroe and, and other famous celebrities who he had known or wanted to know uh, a little bit more intimately and uh, wanted to dance. And you know, how interesting for this child who's really a child and these parents who are more conservative in their beliefs, certainly not reincarnation, spiritual individuals. At least maybe they are now, <laughs> but initially. Well, that's right, exactly. I mean, they, they certainly are are convinced now that Ryan did, in fact, remember a past life. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they were both, they both had Christian backgrounds, and, and uh, you know, this was in small-town Oklahoma. It, it wasn't something that anybody was expecting, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Right. So then you traveled, you know, to Oklahoma and visited the family, and got to see Ryan firsthand. I love your um, psychology background to help children even move through these challenges because it is um, an emotional event for them, kind of a tragic event to miss this lifetime that they remember so vividly, particularly in Ryan's case and many others I know that you've interviewed, and to be hurt by this these events that really they no longer are happening, but they remember them so well. Well, that's right. So our... The main purpose of our work really is not to be therapeutic. It's actually to try to, to to gain knowledge about this phenomenon. But, I mean, as a child psychiatrist, I, I certainly hope I can be helpful to families. Yeah. And, and um, in Ryan's case, and, and in the case of a lot of families, um, we eventually took him where he met the, the daughter of the previous person, met Marty Martin's daughter. And that sort of thing is often helpful where the... I mean, it was upsetting to Ryan because he he couldn't believe that she had gotten as old as she she was. <laughs> she he was only she was only seven or eight when when Marty Martin died, and and now she's in I think her late fifties. Um, but he could see that his memories were validated. But at the same time, he could see that 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 past life really was in the past, and, and that the world had gone on, and and that that trip did seem to help him 
let go and, and move more into this life more fully. Wow. What a fantastic service you do to go to such depth in helping the child and the family to understand, validate, and heal um, so that they can enjoy this lifetime, things that happened in the past, even good things, because this gentleman had a great lifetime. I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Jim Tucker. He is the author of Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. We'll be right back. Have you been thinking about heading down a healthier path, but aren't quite sure where to begin? Marie has a set of DVDs that can help steer you in the right direction with wisdom, insight, and a dash of humor. The Healing From Within series imparts practical tools you can easily use to expand personal health. Marie collaborated with frequent radio guest and naturopath, Dr. Sheila Dunmerit to produce four DVDs that include detoxification, heart health, brain health, and hormones. The DVD series can be purchased online at energyintuitive.com or by calling 425-825-5671. My dad came to live with us last month, and you know, it's going pretty well. I feel like I never have time for myself. With him being around more, it really lets us catch up on things. His memory isn't what it used to be. We get up and we have coffee. He usually wakes up at 4.30. Then we go for a walk. He needs lots of my attention. I do need to keep an eye on his medications, though. That's important. Sometimes I feel like a pharmacist. I'd say John and the kids are adjusting pretty well. They honestly have no idea what I'm going through. It can be a little challenging. Help. But so far, so good. I could really use just a little help. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together... Let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Manifesting dreams into reality is meant to be exciting and easy. When the tools you use stop working, a lack of self-worth is most likely holding you back. Marie's Affirm Your Worth cards are the perfect solution to increase self-appreciation while magnetizing your dreams into reality in a nurturing and fun way. Order the Affirm Your Worth cards online at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. We live in a world that's become predictable. Our realities are filled with distractions, hopelessness, and confusion. We've begun to lose touch of what we're truly capable of. It's time for us to regain our true potential. Join psychic medium and crystal child, Lindsay Paul, as she connects to the other side and brings back messages from beyond, along with her psychic and skeptic, Abraham DeWeese and indigo child, Sarah Ellis. They'll help you soar to new heights by answering your questions. Don't miss Wisdom Within Radio, Thursdays at 1 p.m. Notice anything different? You should. There's no other station like Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to the Remenia Cherry Show. I'm interviewing Jim Tucker. He's the author of 
Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. Fascinating story. So um, in, in the break, you said that Ryan was kind of the exception to the rule where he actually had a 45 time, you know, year time period in between the, his most recent past life and the life he has now, yet extraordinary recall of the life. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we do have others. We, we've had 50 years or more, but um, those are definitely the exception. But it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's good for from our standpoint because then but we can be assured that, that Ryan didn't know anyone uh, connected with Marty Martin and that, that these memories had, hadn't come through any normal means but were something that had to be investigated but then, you know, eventually determined that, in fact, these were memories from somebody else's life. So exciting. Uh, in the book, you, his mother recounts, um, showing a black and white movie to Ryan, where he, that's where he identified himself, and of course he'd never seen a black and white television show, you know, let alone a movie like that. So it's very exciting, uh, very very interesting. Um, do you, is there a rise in the remembrance of past lives? Um, it, you know, maybe in the last decade or maybe in the last five years, have you noticed? Well, that's a very good question, but, but we don't know because we've we've never had a good sense of even how common they are. Uh, the the only survey that was ever done was one in India years ago that, that found one out of 450, but the, the researchers said they may well have missed some cases. We've actually, we're conducting a survey now, a random sample survey of people in this area, and preliminarily it looks like it's going to be a lot more common than we had thought. Uh, and it's possible it's, it's, the frequency is increasing. Uh, we certainly hear from more and more parents, but of course that's, it may be that it's easier for them to find us or they've heard publicity or whatever, so they contact us more. So um, it's a long way of saying we don't know if it's more common, but it, it certainly certainly is happening, and, and we're hearing from a lot of parents. Wow, it's absolutely wonderful. And, and do you believe that as a species, you know, because this is kind of a new thing, you know, believing in reincarnation, reporting accurate details, you know, writing books about it, um, being interviewed on shows like Good Morning America and Larry King Live and CBS Sunday Morning, as you have been. Do you think that um, the consciousness of the human race is expanding because of this more enlightened aspect of life after life? Well, I hope so, but I don't know. I mean, obviously most people have never heard of our work, but there are a lot of efforts in the world these days to, to try to raise consciousness. So hopefully it's all making a difference. Um yeah, you know, I I think in general, from what I actually was reading today, violence in the world is is down compared to what it was in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so hopefully, we're evolving at least to some extent in, in a positive direction. Wow! So you've also interviewed um, quite a, a number of cases where um, family and the children, where the identity is unknown. You know, the child doesn't know exactly who they were, but they can describe the details, usually tragic details, um, you know, things that are um, very challenging. And one of the stories you talk about um, a man from the Midwest who his daughter recounts a, a violent episode where she witnessed one of her friends being killed. Well, that's right, and and most of the time, uh, the kids are talking about traumatic things that happened to them. Mm-hmm. But there are exceptions where where people will describe traumatic things that they witnessed. Um, 
So you're right. The, the one that you're talking about was where the the girl talked about how she had a friend and they were playing in the street one day and then some bad men came up on horses and, and killed her friend and, and then policemen showed up in round hats later to, to talk about it. Wow. Um, now she didn't, presumably she was talking about some time from quite some long ago since people were riding horses, but she didn't give any other details where, I mean, it's impossible to track it down and yet it would be a very strange thing for a young child to just imagine. I mean, it was certainly... Certainly more than just make-believe in her mind as she was telling her family about it. So, um, unfortunately, you know, there are so many of these cases where they do talk about violence or traumatic things that happen. And, and just like in this life where people will develop PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, it seems that traumatic memories sometimes are hard to get rid of and, and do stay with us. And, and in these cases, it seems like they've stayed with the kids even at the, as they started another life. Mm. It makes me wonder about, you know, just the average person and the challenges they may have in their own personal life, even if they don't have memories of their previous life, that it still can affect us. You know, these lifetimes that we've lived, you know, seem to have a life of their own. And if they're unhealed in some way, that projection seems to move into our aura and our energy system and even affect our psychology. Well, that's right. I mean, that's, you know, obviously we have to speculate about that. But, yeah, the, Ian Stevenson, my mentor, wrote this paper proposing that, that past lives were a third factor in personality development, that, that we know genes and environment obviously play a big role, but that there was more than just that. And, and it may well be that there are emotional issues that we carry with us to this life, whether we have memories or not, just like... I don't remember when I was one or two, but obviously things that happened to me during that period were quite important in, in how I developed. Wow. I, I just absolutely think that is fascinating. <laughs> I think that is really, really fascinating. So what is one of your favorite stories? Well, certainly Ryan was one. Um, in addition, James Leininger is, is a great story, and, and that's one that has gotten some press because his parents eventually wrote a book about their experiences. Um, but he's a little boy who, when he was little, he, he loved his toy planes. Uh, but then around the time of his second birthday, started developing horrific nightmares four or five times a week of being in a plane crash where he would, he would be kicking his legs up in the air and screaming, airplane crash on fire, a little man can't get out. And um, I, I talked both with his parents as well as with his aunt, who had spent a lot of time with the family, and she said you could not believe how horrible these things were, that it really looked like someone fighting for his life. And and then during the day, he would take his toy planes and just repeatedly crash them nose first into the family's coffee table. So uh, the coffee table actually had dozens of dents and scratches. I I guess his parents are pretty tolerant folks, but uh, dozens of dents and scratches where he was just repeatedly saying, airplane crash on fire and slamming the plane into the coffee table. And then he eventually, so he looked like a kid who had been traumatized, but he hadn't been through any trauma in this life. But then he also started talking about this plane crash and said how he'd been a pilot and uh, he had flown off of a boat, and, and he gave the name of the boat, Natoma, and he said this when, his, when he was 28 months old, um, how he'd been shot down by the Japanese, he, he'd been killed at Iwo Jima, and he said he had a friend on the boat named Jack Larson. 
Well, it turns out that there was the USS Natoma Bay that was in the Pacific during World War II. It did take part in Iwo Jima, and it lost one pilot uh, in that operation, a young man named James Houston uh, from Pennsylvania. And Houston's uh, plane had crashed exactly as James described, where it got hit in the engine, burst into flames, crashed into the water, and then quickly sank. That's exactly what happened. Uh, And also, the pilot of the plane next to his when it crashed was named Jack Larson. So that's one where the the boy had some incredibly specific details that that were documented, and they all matched perfectly with a a World War II pilot from 50 years ago, and, and there is no way that James could have learned about him in some sort of ordinary way. Uh, so it, it certainly looked like he was having memories from a past life. And he was incredibly young. That's right. I mean, again, he, we've got documentation. He said in a tome at age 28 months. And, um, yeah, he made a lot of statements starting around the the time of his second birthday. Wow. Right. And, um, you know, these aren't topics that we talk to our 28-month-old children about, you know. In fact, I've, you know, worked with a lot of parents and, They can barely talk themselves. (laughs) You should see Benny in the the studio. He's he's like in shock, you know. It's quite adorable. Well, my twins just turned three, so I can't even imagine... Oh, this is crazy. Yeah, Yeah, and I will say, we've done psychological testing with some of these, and they do tend to be quite verbal and quite bright. So uh, I think they are more, well, certainly more verbal than average. But yeah, but even so, I mean, you're right. And and certainly, James's parents hadn't talked with him about anything like this. They were a Christian couple in Louisiana, and and his dad in particular hated the idea of reincarnation and and (laughs) started looking into his statements, basically trying to show that there was nothing to it. But the more he got into it, of course, he discovered that there was something to it. I love how these children are choosing, you know, mainstream, you know, religious parents who, you know, perhaps haven't had the opportunity to even consider reincarnation in their upbringing and who now have to, in a, in a way, deal with these extraordinary stories and emotional you know, outbursts that their beautiful young child is exhibiting on a regular basis. Quite fascinating. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and you mentioned choosing. In, in this case, James talked about choosing his parents. He, one day he uh, said to his dad how he, he knew he'd be a good dad when he picked him, and, and his dad asked him about it. And he said that he had picked him when he'd seen his parents at a big pink hotel in Hawaii. <laughs> and it turned out that his his parents had gone to Hawaii and stayed in a big, big pink hotel Um when they were first starting to try to conceive, that wow. that was the trip when they started. They didn't actually conceive during that trip. It was a couple of months later, but certainly the intention began then. And, and uh, James, years later, described it in good detail and, and said that was that's when he picked them out. Wow. Um, in your research, which how long have you been doing research now? Uh, 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. And so are you planning to or have you done research about these children years later or a decade later um, about is there something extraordinary about their life or unique or their awareness of um, an extensive perception of life, maybe from a spiritual perspective? Is that something you're considering or have you? Uh, Yes, as a matter of fact. uh, Speaking of being psychic, we've just been talking about it, and and next week I'm going to go visit two families where the the children are now, I shouldn't say children, but they're now 19 and 20, and, and to see how the how they and their parents 
field that, that these things affected both their development as well as their relationship to their parents. Uh, prior to that, a colleague of ours did a study with looking at, at um, people in Asia who had been studied when they were kids and they're now adults, and not necessarily looking at spiritual development, but just sort of how their lives had gone. And, and uh, in general, they were doing well, perhaps a little better than one might expect given the, the environments they were in. And, and some of them said that the memories had been helpful to them because they, even though they could be quite difficult uh, to experience when the children are younger, but as adults they could see that it helped broaden their perspectives and, and give them a, a more spiritual outlook on life. Yeah, I wonder if as parents would it be a good idea for us to you know, if a child begins to speak even maybe more vaguely, and I know in your research, you know, that's what you're avoiding. You know, you don't want vagueness. You want it to be clear, of course, and have lots of contributing factual, you know, information. That's yeah. very important. But I wonder for if parents, if we, you know, allow our children to speak more freely, which as our consciousness expands, we're not so frightened by concepts like reincarnation, that it can help heal emotional wounds that can help us to have more successful lives. I know that when I began to do energy work, um, I was kind of scared about it. I would even like physically tremble. I would feel this fear, which didn't make sense to me because I was raised very spiritually. And one day I ha- while meditating, I had a full, what I would call memory of a previous lifetime where it was not comfortable to, um, you know, choose a lifestyle like that or an occupation. And I literally had to have, um, the experience lasted for about 45 minutes. I had to, from that day on, I would have um, rational conversations with myself about what century I live in and, and what part of the world I live in and that it's safe to pursue an occupation. So I'm just curious if we allow ourselves to have um, a conscious or you know, semi-reasonable consciousness of previous existences, if we can uh, move forward in, in a more whole way to achieve actualization of some sort or more contentment in our lives. Well, that, that's a very good question. I mean, the, the concern is that it's not a pleasant thing often for these children to remember these past lives. And, you know, I mean, it would be tempting to, uh, with my daughter, she was too old by the time I learned about this work to ask her, but it would certainly be tempting to, to ask your child what they remember, bef- you know, before they were in mommy's tummy. Yeah. But I'm not so sure that it necessarily be good for the child. I mean, it can be quite difficult, at least in the short run, right. to to remember these things. Um, I mean, you're right, maybe in the long run it can be useful, um, but it, again, it, it, it can be really challenging. Right, no, good point, you know, because the last thing we want to do is emotionally stir up our, our lovely children while they are growing through these interesting times. But I love the research that you're, you will be doing on the older kids, because I think they'll give insight to... Um, all kinds of interesting things. I'd love to go to the phone lines, and we have a caller who has a question about past lives. Sure, we'll take Valerie calling in from Portland, Oregon. Valerie. Hi, guys. Um, I actually, very interesting, just heard yesterday about a past life where I possibly had a stillborn child. And uh, I'm a new mom, and it's been really, really difficult for me to be a mom. And I've felt uh, a lot of despair about the responsibility of taking care of a child and just that, that responsibility has been kind of overwhelming. So I was hoping that shedding some light on that past life might help me kind of um, recover from that and heal a little bit. So are you saying the memory of, of being a stillborn child, whose memory is that? 
So it's um, so uh, I was told through a reading. I don't remember okay. it quite myself, but um, that I personally gave birth to a stillborn child oh, and, and tried to nurse it. Um, so uh, because I have kind of an I feel like an unreasonable amount of uh, fear about motherhood and, and injury that could happen to my son. Yeah, I mean. But... For any of us who, who have uh, been parents, we well remember just how anxiety-provoking it is, uh, along with all the, the joy that comes with it. Um, so, you know, with with a reading like that, I guess I would, whether it's literally true or not that you actually had a past life that you did that, it, it certainly may be sort of emotionally um, helpful to sort of to explore that experience and, and to see now that that you do have a I assume a, a healthy you know bouncing baby and and um, we all know all the terrible things that can go wrong with kids but but we also need to keep in mind that almost all kids uh, do just great and you know they come through childhood fully intact and and um, go on and lead full lives yeah, we we had our first emergency room visit, so I think that's what triggered all of it. Interesting, interesting. That was a great answer, Jim, too. That was lovely. Because I do, when I'm doing readings with people, you know, in my mind, when I'm seeing a past life, and I certainly may describe it that way, I also say I, I'm not sure if this actually happened or if this is a mm-hmm. metaphor for mm-hmm. the emotional things that may have contributed in multiple lifetimes that you're still working on, you know, because I don't know for sure if what mm-hmm. I'm seeing is a past life. And so I think maybe having some conversations with yourself, reminding yourself um, that you have a child that um, was delivered well and who mm-hmm. even after an emergency visit is just fine because that's yeah. what I'm seeing when I look at this lovely child. Yes. And, you know, so just reminding yourself that you had a healthy birth and a healthy baby and, um, and that it's a different century. Mm-hmm. It's not the same it's- time period. Is there anything I can do with him? He has he he has a tendency to hurt himself, like to hit <laughs> hit a wall. He gets huge, just blood uh, welts on his head when he hits his head, and pretty much on a daily basis injures himself. I think more than than most children. So, um, is there anything I can do to kind of help that behavior? Help kind of curb that behavior? Well, you know, other than wrapping him in bubble wrap, how old is he? He's a year and a half. Oh, how adorable. And some kids are yeah. just more accident prone. I was, uh, I, I don't let my kids do anything, which I, I'm not recommending. <laughs> I was one of those, as Jim said, being a parent is, you know, kind of a scary, paranoid experience. But here's what I think is happening. Your anxiety, a lot of times parents don't realize that our emotions really affect our children. Um, and not on purpose. We're not planning that to happen. I think that's true collectively as a species, our energy and our feelings really do affect others, including ourselves deeply. Um, I think that as you can calm down and tell yourself that your child is safe and well, then I think your child's going to have a different energy system around him because he's copying your energy system. That's his primary source of how do I need to run my energy? Oh, here's how mom runs her energy. So as you relax and stay centered in your life, reminding yourself of the good things that are happening, that could easily go into his field and create a different frequency and have him be a little bit more common, maybe a tiny bit more observant of the walls in the room. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Great. Thanks for calling. Very yeah, interesting. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, interesting point of view. We're going to go ahead and take a break here on the Marie Menu Cherry Show. I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Jim Tucker. He's an MD and a research person at the University of Virginia, researching children's past lives. His newest book, Return to Life. We'll be right back. As I went through school, one giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? First, I had to decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more, so I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore, and frustration a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy, and giving up impossible. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. If you want to know how to get in touch with Marie or find out what's on her calendar, there's a variety of ways to do so. You could become Marie's friend on Facebook or even follow her on Twitter. Check out Marie's website. There's tons of new features like Chakra of the Month, a live Twitter feed, and three PDFs with extensive exercises for your chakras. You can also sign up for Marie's free quarterly newsletter and also get your questions answered in her Dear Marie column. Simply email Marie your question and she will answer it in an upcoming edition. Marie also will be speaking and signing books throughout the U.S. in 2013. Find out if she'll be in your area on her events page at energyintuitive.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Louisa Oakley Green, a science journalist who couldn't explain away the paranormal activity all around her. On Saturday, Sarah Nash and Avis Latone are doing a sister act with a full hour of metaphysical Q&A. Anything goes with these two. Then Mary Lee LeBay joins us in the second hour to talk about past lives, past loves, and the value of near-death experiences. Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. You're listening to the refreshingly different Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. I'll show you things you never dreamed you thought you'd see. I found myself in a Welcome back to Remanu Cherry Show. I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Jim Tucker. He's a medical physician, a psychiatrist specializing in children's mental health. And he's a professor at the University of Virginia and the author of two books. His latest book, Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Past Lives. Welcome back to the show, Jim. Thank you very much. So do you ever do any, you know, like classes or talks in that nature where people can come and meet you in person and, and go further in these discussions? Uh, yes, I do some talks uh, mm-hmm. from time to time, and um, with with any upcoming ones, I'll, I'll post them on. I now have a website, jimbtucker.com, so I'll, I'll post any events on there. 
Wonderful, wonderful. In the book, you also talk about mind over matter to kind of bring some, you know, scientific perspective in terms of quantum physics about these extraordinary events. And perhaps you could um, give an example of that to our listeners. Yeah, that that can be a little hard to describe briefly. But, you know, we've got these cases where it looks like kids are remembering past lives. So then my challenge is, is how do I make sense of that? And, and I don't think you can just map these cases onto a materialist understanding of reality where you think physical matter is all there is, then, then these cases make no sense. But as I have read over the last few years on, on quantum theory, uh, I have discovered that physical reality is a lot more complicated than we think it is on a day-to-day basis. And, and there has been uh, a lot of emphasis over the years in, in quantum theory on, on the importance of observation and and it looks like that at the quantum level, that the smallest level, or the really small particles, that uh, observation is what causes events to even happen. That before something is observed, uh, it's sort of in a state of multiple potentials, but only one happens once it's observed. So there are people like Max Planck, who is the, the founder of quantum theory, who said that he regarded consciousness as fundamental and that physical matter was was derived from it. And and I think there are good reasons to think that, that really consciousness or mind is the primary entity uh, of, of reality, and then the physical world grows out of it. And if, if that's the case, then there's no reason to think that a consciousness would end when a physical brain dies. Um, and in our cases, at least, it seems that, that the consciousness then gets linked to to a new brain, and, and then the memories show up in, in a new life. Wow. Wow. That's just beautiful. So you've done some, um, of course, more research statistics and determining um, certain aspects of these children, because you have over 2,000 cases now that you've documented, which is quite a few. That's, yes. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so you write in the book that um, only 30% of previous individuals died by natural causes, and so that means 70% did not. That's right. Seventy percent are unnatural causes, meaning murder, suicide, or accident. Uh, so that's clearly an important factor in these cases. Uh, and also, the people tend to die young. Even in the natural death cases, they, they die young. So a quarter of the ones in the natural death were, uh, died before the age of 15. So, so there does seem to be something about dying young or dying violently uh, that leads these memories to then show up in, in another life. And, you know, people certainly speculate about, quote-unquote, unfinished business. Um, but, but it does seem like the, often the past life was not complete in any sort of natural way, and, and that may well contribute to a pretty quick return and usually fairly close by, and, and like I say, with the memories and emotions still there. Mm. And so um, are the majority of your cases male versus female? Well, about 60% of them are male, and we have often wondered why that was, and, and we sort of speculated about it. Now with this with this database where we can look at the stats, I think we know the answer. In cases where the previous person died naturally, it's actually 50-50. Mm. It's, it's in the unnatural death cases where there are more boys talking about dying, and, and most of our cases... 
a child talks about a, a life as a member of the same sex. So basically that means it's in the unnatural death ones where there were more men that died. And it, the stats mirror exactly the percentages in, in the general population of, of people who die unnatural means. 73% in, in the general population are male. And in our cases, uh, for the unnatural death, 72% of them were male. So it, it, um, it's really exactly what really you would expect that these actually are past lives that, that people are remembering. It correlates with current life percentages of gender deaths. Is, is what you're saying. And, of course, men typically are boys tend to take more risk. And Well, exactly. They're the ones who drive too fast and, and get into drunken knife fights and, of course, in some places go off to war. But right. um, I mean, obviously women fight now. But, but historically, yes, men do die uh, unnatural deaths much more often than women do. And how many of your research cases um, were the, the past lives described in a dream, you know, not maybe when they're in their awake state, but where a child has consistent dreams of a previous lifetime? Well, I can't give you the statistics on that, but we certainly see it. I mean, most of the time, if a child does have dreams about a past life, they also talk about it during the day, but not always. And and there are a couple of cases in my book where a child had dreams repeatedly throughout their entire childhood of, of something traumatic happened, one what sounds like a tsunami. Um, and the child had no specific memories during the day, and it was only later that the the man really made the connection and thought that it was a past life. Once he learned uh, that the details he had recalled were exactly how things operate with the tsunami, uh, so then, then he thought it must have been a past life. Wow. So as parents, we could potentially, um, when we listen to a children's nightmare, we could actually be hearing the events of a previous lifetime. It's possible. Well, that's right. Again, especially if it's a dream that they have repeatedly. Um, you know, all kids have nightmares, and, and you know, they may involve monsters or they may involve realistic events, but they don't necessarily mean anything that anything happened literally. But if it's a dream that a kid's having over and over, uh, then, yeah, you certainly have to wonder about it being a past life memory. Wow. So um, I, I know you're very busy in your work, and that's wonderful. And, and, and of course, your newest book. Again, congratulations. Thank you. Sure. And so what, if you're, uh, what are some of your ambitions about this research? Do you have like a, a dream about it, or do you, do you have something that you wish that it concludes at some point? And I don't mean ending the research, but some, something that you would like to create as some sort of proof or fact. Well, I'd certainly like to continue to get a collection of strong American cases. I mean, we certainly have some now, and I would like to continue to add to that, basically just making it harder and harder for people to dismiss this phenomenon as as there being nothing to it. Beyond that, I'd like to continue to explore, this is sort of vague, but continue to explore this idea of mind and that there being this realm of, of... reality that it's separate from the physical reality, or, or maybe that the physical reality grows out of it, but just trying to get a better understanding of what this all means, of, of what life after death may mean and, and consciousness continuing, and, and just try to fill in the dots a little more about what this picture looks like. And, um, you know, that's sort of a, a grand goal to have, but but hopefully at least I can kind of peck away at it a little bit. Well, I think you're doing a great job pecking away at it, and I thank you so much for 
your research and of course your passion in it. You know, I know Ian is grateful for that as well. well <laughs> grateful that he you. found someone who's also balanced, you know, um, mm. who can enjoy his family while he also studies extraordinary research. So. Um, well, thank you. Yes, I, uh, both parts of my life are very important to me, and of course family is more important, but this is also exciting work to be doing as well. Lovely, lovely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you, and I wish you more success in your research. Well, thanks very much, and and thanks very much for having me. You're welcome. Have a lovely day. Thanks. Well, that was a lot of fun. Are you going to go home, Benny, and ask your boys about past lives? Oh, this is going to be ridiculous for today. (laughs) I don't even know if I'm going to do anything else for the rest of the afternoon. I'm just going to sit him down. I'm like, listen, let's just have a little chat here, you and I. Wow. Let's just see how it goes. I should videotape it. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, because they're young, you know? I know. I know. Although, you remember what Dr. Tucker said, you know, we don't want to, like, stir up some, oh, some skeletons in the true. closet, you know? <laughs> but I will be more aware or pay more attention to yes. the act, especially if I'm changing them or, or doing whatever, and just see if they, yeah. oh, man, this is just. I'm beside myself right now for the last hour. I'm a like, this little is... bit of mind-blowing of yeah, for Benny and his young bit. boys. Um, so I'll be traveling not in a multidimensional way, but um, in a regular way. I'll be traveling to Irvine, California. I'll be teaching at the School of Multiple Dimensional Healing Arts and Science on March 7th and 8th. I'll be doing a book talk Friday night, 7 to 9 p.m. And then I'll be teaching an all-day workshop, Connecting to Guidance Workshop. Um, 1230 to 530. So you can go ahead and go to my website and look at the events page. Um, So you can connect to that event. Love California. Excited to be returning. Or you could go to www.smhas.com. All that information is on my website, energyintuitive.com. And then I'll be heading later in March to Phoenix, Arizona, teaching my first Reiki workshop outside of the Seattle area. That class is filling up. Super excited to be in warm weather in March, March 21st through the 23rd, um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, a transformational, um, transformational workshop, um, so you can learn the art of hands-on healing. And uh, one of my favorite things to do is to help people see what's going on in the body while they're mm-hmm, working with mm-hmm. others. So you, again, you can go to energyintuitive.com and sign up for that workshop or find out more about it or tell friends about it. And then hopefully come meet me in Irvine, California, so we can learn how to connect to guidance, um, one of my favorite workshops to teach. And so we'll be back here next week. I'm having another lovely day on the radio. We hope that wherever you are, that you're having a lovely day. We're sending bright light to you, whether it's morning, night, winter, or spring. And thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, We appreciate the callers. We appreciate all of your comments. And, of course, we hope that what happens here affects your life in a positive way. Joyful blessings. Bye-bye.